Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. desired Jesus that he would eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden, which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering, said unto him, be careful your thoughts. He didn't say it out loud, but Jesus responded out loud, because Jesus knows what you're thinking. Jesus answering him said, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto you. And he said, say, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And Jesus said unto him, you have rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil and you, you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto you her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Your sins are forgiven. Wow. 
And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgives sins also? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. I just want to uh, talk for a few moments this morning. What is your position? What is your position? You can be seated. I left my water somewhere. I do this all the time. Is it over here? Yes, it is. What is your position? I wonder if we can align ourselves with God this morning. Perhaps realign ourselves with God. I wonder if we could get in proper position. Position's everything. God has uh, blessings in his storehouse and he wants to pour them out, but we've got to be in the right position to receive it. Have you ever sat in a theater or a drama watching a play or something and you had great seats or, or so you thought you had great seats and then, you know, a minute before the show, somebody uh, comes and sits down right in front of you and of course it's not somebody who's little, it's a guy, big old guy with a big old head and you can't see nothing. <laughs> you thought you were in good position. But if you want to, if you want to be blessed by what you're watching, you're going to have to change your position. And uh, position matters. Or you can sit there the whole time, and uh, you know, and and tell everybody that you're there to see the play. But it doesn't really make any difference. You're not going to see the play unless you change your position. That's right. Amen. And God is here, and He's looking for a posture of praise. Right. Our position's everything. How do you know that you're self-righteous and far from the heart of God? How do you know that? I'll tell you one way you know it. If you give Jesus an invitation but not a welcoming, That's right. your position is prime. If you want Jesus to sit at your table and talk with you, but you don't really value him, how many times do we want Jesus to show up and we, we use this common vernacular, we, we do it a lot. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but we, we speak of Jesus showing up, and it's not, not like he's not everywhere at once, but how many times do we want Jesus to show up so that something happens for me? Right? God, I want you here so that you can do something for me. Sometimes we are, uh, we're conditioned to uh, in a service, you know, we believe the word of God and we want it for us and that's good. But sometimes we get so fixated on me. I don't really care, God. I mean, I'm thankful that my neighbor got blessed, but I, I want it for me. How it's going to make me feel when you're here, Lord. That's what matters. How I'll look in front of other people if you're sitting at my table is what matters. Right? If we desire that Jesus sit and talk with us and gift us with his presence, but we didn't offer him anything, we may be in the wrong position, a position of pride. You're not postured for praise if you didn't bring something of value. How long has it been since I stopped asking God questions and just began to praise him? It's a cold and distant relationship with God that cannot praise Him. It's got a list of worries and cares 
and asking God questions, why this and why that and why not this and why not that. But I don't really have time to thank and praise him for who he is. That's a, that's a position of pride. What position are we in this morning? Simon was willing to show off his very best to Jesus. But he wasn't willing to stoop low and give Jesus his worst. How many times have we had the attitude of a Pharisee? I'm not, I'm not beating any one of us up today. In fact, I think it's the will of God that we all rest. I think it's the will of God that we sit in the peaceful presence of God and actually value His presence. I think that's the will of God today. I think that'd be all right if we do that. We don't have to put on a show. We don't have to get loud. We don't have to run the aisles. Just so, so somebody thinks, as Nate, Brother Nate said it this morning, and the Holy Ghost just... So somebody thinks that I'm spiritual. Now, I, I really don't have time whether or not you care or, or think it. Or you're, I, you're not even thinking whether or not I'm spiritual, right? And so, so, so many times we're fixated on what I look like in front of other people. When the reality is nobody cares, really. I mean, honestly, if they care that much, obviously they need to reprioritize some things. But, but I don't really have time to waste on whether or not so-and-so thinks I'm spiritual. The reality is... I need to be spiritual. I really, as Brother Nate talked this morning, need to know him. And it's a cold and distant relationship that's got a lot of questions and concerns for God, but no praise. How many times have I had the attitude of a Pharisee? How many times have I thought about somebody else while Jesus is sitting right in front of me? How many times have have I thought of somebody else who needs to hear this the entire time I'm sitting in the presence of Jesus Christ. Thinking quietly to myself how awful and how immoral so-and-so is. And how they need to get right with God. And God, if you only knew who they were, they're a sinner. They're a wretch. How many times have I had the attitude of a Pharisee? The height of hypocrisy and self-righteousness is thinking that Jesus thinks like me. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Jesus has come to let you know He sees and hears the very thoughts that you're thinking. So there's no need to hide. We cannot hide from God. Sometimes we act like we can. And because judgment hasn't come yet, well, we're, we're safe. But we cannot hide from God. Now we can withhold from God. And a lot of us withhold. But God sees it all. And he's come to answer with his word. Nahum chapter 1 verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Wow. Can you give God your very best in exchange for his worst? Can you give God your costly perfume, everything you worked so hard for, for his dirty feet? Come on. Can you give God your life? Can you, give, can, you, can you put your faith and your trust in God? When the uncertainty of my future is swirling all around me, and all I see are thick clouds. The Bible says that heaven is his throne, and the earth is his footstool. And that means when God is up to something, when God is moving... That the very dust is being kicked up all around at eye level for me. 
I can't see anything. I want to see Him. I want to see what God, I want to see a reality of what God is doing in my life. I want to, but I can't see Him. Are you willing to still give Him your praise when you don't understand what's happening? Just coming through the Christmas season, we rejoice and we celebrate His birth. And, and we always start the story in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. And we always start it there. But the reality is that the Christmas story didn't start there in Luke 1. There, It started just a few verses back, actually in verse 6 of Luke chapter 1, where the angel Gabriel actually appeared to Elizabeth. That's where it started. And the angel said, you he actually appeared to Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband, and said, you're going to have a child. And Luke paints a pretty picture of, of, of the situation. Elizabeth and Zacharias, Luke says... They're both old. <laughs> They're both, and, and, and she's barren, and they can't have kids. So God's got to work a miracle. Well, thanks, Luke. I mean, <laughs> thanks for the support, <laughs> right? But God shows up to Elizabeth first. You read on down, and in the sixth month, it says, the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary. says, you're going to conceive, and the Holy Ghost is going to... Uh, is going to help you conceive. You're going, you're going to call His name Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, all of that. But it's interesting that it's several times that Luke points out in the sixth month. Why the sixth month? What is Luke talking about? Why is he so specific about that? Well, the reality is, is because in the sixth month, Gabriel tells Mary, this is what's going to happen. And you need to know this, Mary, that with God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. God knows, as soon as Mary gets this news, and the angel even drops a nugget to Mary, this ain't just happening with you, but your cousin Elizabeth right. is going to have a child. Uh -huh. And when God tells Mary that your cousin Elizabeth is going to have a child, God knows Mary's about to take off to Elizabeth's house. Uh -huh. Amen. They're going to start testifying to what they've seen and what God's doing in them. But as soon as Mary walks through the front door, all Elizabeth has to do is stand up. Elizabeth doesn't even have to open up her mouth. And Mary sees that God is at work and has been working because Elizabeth is pregnant with a promise. Amen. And when I can't see God moving and I can't see God doing anything in my life, I better get around the people of God and understand, hey, he's working over in Michael's life. I can see him doing it right there. I can't see him doing it in my life, but I see evidence of, of the work of God in somebody else's life. I'm telling you, that's faith. Folks, you can't, you can't make it on an island by yourself. We need the people of God more than ever in these last days. Yeah. Amen. To pick me up when I can't see God working. Come on now. Amen. And I can testify of the glory of God. And I can give Him praise in my life. Because I know He's knocking on my neighbor's door. And so I know He's about to come to my door too. For with God, nothing is impossible. Are we willing to give God our best for His worst? Because he was willing to give his best for your worst. His righteousness for my filthiness. I wonder if somebody can remember what a wretch you were. How miserably trapped in a life of sin you were. How you could not get out by yourself. Or perhaps you weren't forgiven much. I don't know about you, but I do know about me. I, was, I, was, I, I, I had no way out. I, I was a stray dog. I was a worthless individual. I did nothing to earn the favor and the love and the mercy of God that was shown me. It was God who saved me. 
It was God who redeemed me. It was God who taught me. He helped me out of a pit of desperation. He put me on my feet. I was hopeless. I deserved death. I hurt him. I hurt other people. I hurt myself. But he made a way out of no way. I'm talking about a God who brought me out. When I didn't have the ability to do it on my own because I couldn't. It was impossible for me. The decision really wasn't mine when God showed up. It had nothing to do with me. It still has nothing to do with me. And when we couldn't get to Him, He came to us. And we brought death through our sin. But He brought life through His death. Glory to God. And I brought on myself the cursing of God. But He traded it for the blessing of God. I was exposed, yet He hung there in shame, naked, uncovered, exposed. All the world in humiliation to see Him. He hung exposed so that I could be covered. He hung in my place on a tree. All you have to do is receive the love and forgiveness of God today. You don't have to work for it, Simon. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to put on a mask, Simon. You're sitting at the very table of Jesus. You don't need to beg for it. He already purchased it for us. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is repent. Is turn toward Him. All you have to do is be baptized in His name. All you have to do is receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How foolish and childish and spoiled I have been for my lack of praise. My lack of praise is pride. My lack of praise shows God I don't believe God. My lack of praise means I don't trust God's goodness to me. It means I don't trust God's sovereignty over my life. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. When you love Him, you'll stop worrying, and you'll begin praising Him. When you trust Him, you'll stop worrying, and you'll begin praising Him. When you believe His Word is true, you'll rejoice. You'll get your mind off of your neighbor, and you'll begin to understand His worth, His value, when you begin to praise God. You'll stop worrying about the battle that isn't yours anyway. And you'll lift up your voice and begin to rejoice in God. God is looking for some praisers. God is about to come through. You'll understand this when your response is praise. I'll praise the Lord because He alone is worthy of it. If you can't see what God is doing for you or has done for you, you'll hardly praise Him. You might criticize God. You might criticize other people, but you won't praise Him. You may question what he's up to, but you won't praise him. You'll you'll get offended maybe at God or other people when you can't feel him or you can't see him, but you won't praise him. Come on, God's looking not for some prideful positions in this place, but God is looking for a posture of praise and humility. Hallelujah. When you play God, you won't praise God. Praising God is beneath somebody who thinks uh, that God owes him something, that they're entitled to something. Instead of humbling ourselves, we'll exalt ourselves. But God won't share His glory with another. You better get on board and praise Him. I better get on board and praise Him. Not for my sake. Come on, you don't need to do it for my sake. But you need to do it for your sake. I don't need, come on now. I need to do it for my sake. My God, Holy Ghost. Are there any praisers in the room right now? Can we lift up our hands and just give God thanks for who He is and for all that He's done? Can you remember where God brought you from? Oh, I don't ever want to forget, God, what you've done for me. I want to praise you, God. 
Oh, praise God. I want to praise you, God, because you're worthy. Hallelujah. I want to prove your worth and your value. Simon, how long has it been since you quit trying to figure God out and you just praised Him? Simon, how long has it been? Because if you praise Him little, you haven't been forgiven much. And that should scare you. But if you want to be forgiven much, all you have to do is understand who is present in this room right now. And begin to praise Him with everything you have. Your sins are going to be forgiven. Simon... You're sitting in the very presence of Jesus. You're sitting at the table with Jesus. Simon, if you could get a clue that in the middle of sincere praise and gratitude, you'll find forgiveness. If you could just understand, Simon, that it ain't about saying, it ain't about, it ain't about just saying, oh, God, I'm sorry for this action or that action, but it's so much more than that. It's not just about breaking a specific law of God, but it's so much deeper than that when you begin to understand that the heart is deceitful. Above all, and desperately wicked. Simon, if you can understand that the source is not, it's not an action. You're just, you're just trying to band-aid this. I, 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 if I just live perfectly, everything's going to be good for me. Right if I can look in the mirror every day, and as long as I don't commit adultery or fornication or tell a lie or steal or cheat or whatever, if I can just, you know, dress up real nice, everything's going to be good. But that's not it, Simon. You're missing the entire point. Because in the middle of praise and gratitude, you're going to find yourself turning to the only one that matters. That's right. Right. In the middle of your praise, your mind ain't on yourself, Simon. Yep. Oh, God. When you begin to truly praise God, you're not worried about yourself anymore. It ain't even about you anymore. True repentance is when you move past it just being about what I did or what I didn't do. And when you get to, you begin to get lost in Jesus Christ, right. when you begin to praise Him and magnify Him, and it's all about Him, and it ain't about you anymore. That's true repentance, Simon. And that's all it takes is for you to begin to praise Him, Simon. He's sitting at your table. Instead of asking questions, why don't you praise Him? He's worthy of the praise and the glory. Why don't you lose yourself in adoration to the presence of God, Simon? It's all it takes for your sins to be forgiven, for you to find new life in Christ. Oh, God. Oh, God. How long has it been since I've praised him? How long have I been sitting at the table just like Simon the Pharisee? In the middle of your posture of praise is the very essence of repentance. Which one am I? Am I Simon? Or am I okay with the world looking at me and saying... You're a piece of trash. You're a sinner. If God really know who, if He really knew who you were in your past and all you did, oh God! If you're perfect today, you have nobody to thank. You've got nobody to praise. If you don't have a past, then you don't have a praise. Oh God! Oh God! If you grew up perfect all your little life, you ain't got nothing to thank God for. If you were never in debt, then you never needed help out. If you were never lost, then you never needed to be found. Oh God, if you were never sick, you had no reason to be healed. If you were never confused, you, were, you never needed clarity in your life. The Holy One is in this room, and God is looking for somebody with a posture of praise. Come on, if you'll express your praise, He will express His power in your life. Power to forgive your sin. Power to heal you and to save you. Power to deliver you. Power to set you free. God is here to fight your battle. God is here to meet your need. You don't have to fight the fight like it's yours anymore. Let God fight you. God, let God fight for you if you'll begin to praise Him. If you'll begin to adore Him. God.
God. Those who praise Jesus know who Jesus really is. My God, he is more than just a prophet, Simon. If this guy were a prophet, he'd understand what kind of loser this was that was washing his feet. Don't you understand, Simon? He's more than just a prophet. He's God. And you would understand if you could lose yourself in praise, in adoration to the one true God. Simon, everything can change in your life. Oh, God, I wonder if we can give God praise. I don't know about you, but I need to be changed. I don't know about you. You might be perfect. But I need the hand of God in my life. I've got to have God. Those who praise Him know what it's like to be in a place of humility. They know what true repentance is. If we've got nothing to praise God for, we're not living the life of repentance before God. But we're lifted up in pride. See, the Pharisees, they didn't understand the love of God. There's no way that they could accept it. They couldn't receive it. For God to do something like this for a woman and accept her praise and her worship, that was absolute. That, 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 that's foreign to them. They couldn't understand, they couldn't wrap their mind. That's, that's not God, this can't be God. Because if this were a prophet, if this was even a good man, you'd understand. Oh God. See, the Pharisees viewed God, love, God's love as a form of being attractive to God. It's based on what I do or don't do. It's based on uh, what I say or don't say. It's based on performance. It's a performance-based kind of love. Penance. A works-based salvation. If I do good enough, I'll look right in the eyes of God. A works-based kind of love. But God stepped on the scene. Jesus Christ stepped on the scene to absolutely obliterate that concept. Oh, God. Don't you understand? Ain't nothing about you. There's no sacrifice you could give me. There's nothing that you could offer me. Because from the very beginning of time, from the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. And it was that sacrifice that paid it all. There's no sacrifice that could amount to anything. Oh God. Oh God. Don't you know that the kind of love that God has for you is simply based on who He is? It's based on His character. It's based on His integrity. It's a true love. You can walk out on God. You can divorce God. You can spit in His face. You can laugh at Him. You can punch Him in the face. You can crucify Him. You can nail Him to a cross. And it's not going to stop God's love for you. And it doesn't change Him one iota. Not one bit. Because God's love goes far beyond a workspace. Presentation. Oh God, I don't care if you're wearing your Sunday vest. Or if you don't have any clothes at all. And you're a beggar on the street. God doesn't care. Don't you understand, Simon? I'm literally sitting at your table, having conversation with you, eating at your table. You're willing to offer me your best, Simon. You're willing to put on a show and a parade, clean the house, get everything all nice and ready. Make sure, Chef, you cook the best meal you've ever cooked in your life. To have Jesus sitting on my table and the world watching. Oh, God. But you're missing the complete point, Simon. Mercy's at your table. My God, all you got to do. It's bow on your, uh, 
bow down on your knees and cry, Holy Simon. All you got to do is humble yourself, Simon. Don't you understand that God loves you? I'm here to tell somebody. I'm here, I'm here to tell you right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, the enemy's been lying at you. Uh, he's been whispering at you. He's been clawing at you. He's been throwing your past in your face. He's been saying, God will never use you. God will never accept you. Man, you're not even going to make it to heaven. I don't know how you're going to do it. And you've been listening to that lie for too long. But I'm here to tell you, God says it's not about who you are, what you did or did not do. It's about me. It's about my covenant. And God said, since I couldn't find anybody else, since I couldn't find anybody else to swear greater by, I swore by myself. Because you enter into a covenant with me and it's based on you keeping up your end of the deal. He said, no doubt I'm going to keep up my end of the deal. But just a couple hours into that covenant, you're going to break it. If it had anything to do with you. Oh, God. He's saying it got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with who I am. And he treats us all as if we're the only ones in the room as we read the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. And we can put ourselves in that very story. Don't you understand? He'd leave the 99 sheep to go rescue that one. That's what God's been doing. He's chasing some of you down with his love. You've been running as fast as you can. You're worn out. You can't receive His love. But I'm here to tell you, stop running. Turn around let the Master catch you and hold you. Whew. He's singling you out. Yes, it's about the community. Yes, it's about the believers. Because once He rescues that sheep, guess what? He's bringing them right back into the fold. It's not simply about me, but it is about me. And if it was just you who He hung on the cross for, it was worth it to Him. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. That's the kind of love oh, that is in this place right now. You don't have to earn it. Oh, God. It's just here. All you've got to do is open up your hands and say, Yes, Lord, I'll receive it. How long has it been since you had that peace in your mind? How long has it been since you really received what God has already done for you? Would you lift up your hands and say, Lord, if it's for me, I want it. You did it for me, God. I'm not arguing with you. I'm not trying to put on a show for you. Here I am, God. Simply, I really am broken. I really am in need. I really am a sinner, God. I really, I really don't have it all together. I'm really not perfect. But here I am with my praise. There's true repentance in your praise. My God. Oh, Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is, I'm here to tell you, my God, you're loved by God. And there's nothing that you can do to make Him love you more. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He took my place. He took your place. The reason why we can stand here under the grace of God. The reason why we have a chance to be born again. We have not just an Old Testament any longer. Not just an old promise. Not just an old covenant. But we've got a new covenant. Why? Because... God and man came together in the form of Jesus Christ. Oh, it was that perfect spotless lamb. He wasn't basing his covenant on me. Whew, glory to God. He said, no man can take my life. I choose to lay it down. I relinquish it. It's not the cross that takes my life. I willingly give it up. <laughs> I say when enough is enough. I say when it's finished. Oh God. You can't take my life. You don't have any power or authority over me. I willingly die because you're in death. 
You have no life. God said, I'm going to join you in your death. And I'm going to rob sin. And I'm going to rob the grave of its victory over your life. And its power over your life. I'm about to go to the grave and take care of this business once and for all. My God, I'm going to join you in your death. And then you're going to join me in my death. When you repent of your sins. When you're buried in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, it's a new covenant. Glory to God. Do you understand who's in this room? Come on, he's a covenant maker. He's a covenant keeper. My God, he's a promise keeper. Glory to God. Oh, praise him. Somebody praise him in the peace of God. That is in this room right now. Somebody praise him and magnify him and glorify him and insult him. You've been forgiven much. You've been forgiven much. Come on, my praise better show how much I've been forgiven. My praise better show God how much I love him. for a moment. I want you to rest child of God. I want you to just sit in the peace of God for a moment. Would you rest? And what God has done for you. I'm not asking you to be comfortable. I'm not asking you to close your eyes and go to sleep. I'm asking you to rest in the peace of God right now. Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 22 and 23. If a man has committed a sin worthy of death and he be put to death you're going to put him on a tree. His body shall remain all night upon the tree, but you shall not in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. You know why they wanted him crucified? You know why they wanted him nailed to a tree? So that he would be cursed of God in the eyes of all the people, that he would be a curse of God, and his claims of the Messiah would be invalidated. Crucify him. Put him on that tree. Can't wait to get him there. So in the eyes of all the people, they'll understand this man, he can't be God. He's cursed. Ooh. But what they didn't understand, my God, what they did not know was that he was taking our place on the tree. Oh, because I was cursed. I was the one that was cursed. I was the one that should have paid that penalty of death. And he substituted. Oh God. There was a transfer that was happening when he was on that cross. And so his sin, all the sin, all of my muck and mire, all of your filth, all of it was on his shoulders. All of it. All of our mess. All of our shame. All of our embarrassment was on him. And as we transferred our sin to him, the blessing of God transferred to us. Oh God. You know who's in this room right now? He's a redeemer. Oh God. He was submitted to the cross, First Peter says, and to the beating and the suffering and the punishment for sin. He felt the full shame, Isaiah 53 said, the full guilt, the full weight of our sin, the full wrath of God as he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Consciously guilty, knowing himself to be fully responsible for the sin. I don't think we understand what the scripture said. Him that knew no sin became sin. Oh God. He took it all. Right, right. Whew. Oh, yeah. hmm. 
You can personalize the grace of God in your life today, like Paul said in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You can personalize that for you today. Oh, taste and see the goodness of God in your life today. Oh, taste and see. Oh, lift up your hands and praise. Oh, give God thanks and taste and see. Come on, the gift is for you. It's for everyone. Hallelujah. It's all made real to us by the working of the Holy Spirit. If you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in tongues. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, you can receive the Holy Ghost today. This work is made possible by the blood of the Lamb and by the gift of His Spirit. Simon, you don't have to do this anymore, Simon. Let down that show, Simon. Come on. You don't have to do this. Adam and Eve sinned and then looked for that covering. Because the glory of the Lord was no longer their covering when they rebelled against the Word of God. Immediately start to look for a covering. Insufficient. Man, by his rebellion, desired the very death of God and God's law and God's command in paradise. In the Garden of Eden, it wasn't good enough. And man desired the death of God, ironically, in pursuing his own carnal desire. He's the one who died. We died. Oh, God. And so God said, well, you're dead. You can't get to me. I love you with an everlasting love. I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to die. Oh, God. So that you can be born again. And you can experience life. Oh, God. I'm thankful for the circle maker. I'm thankful. He's a circle maker. God's chasing you. God wants you to know how much he loves you. The power of His blood. We didn't even ask for salvation. Didn't even want it. Give Adam and Eve a hard time and it had been the same thing for me and you. We didn't want Him. We hid from Him. When God showed up looking for us, calling to us, we didn't want anything to do with Him. We wanted God to simply go away. As they dodged His questions in the garden, as they played the blame game, this is what sin does to our lives. And it didn't stop God's love. Nevertheless, John 3 19 says, This is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And God is treating us like as if we're the only ones. In the room. Sadly, we settle for much, much less than God's plan for us. If you're in this place, if you've walked away from the presence of God, maybe, or maybe you're just, you're not where you want to be. Isn't that all of us? You're not where you need to be. You just need more of God. Maybe you walked away from His presence. Maybe you didn't value the Father's house. As that second son said, Give me my inheritance, and then a few days later took off and squandered everything. Maybe that's your story. Maybe you've been trying to do this on your own without God's help. But the Bible says that He came to Himself. 
You know, there's something about really understanding the depth of God's love is found in the depth of my sin and shame and my embarrassment. You'll never run out, you'll never outrun him. You'll never get so low that God can't reach for you. It was in this position that this son wakes up in the pig pen, he's feeding pigs and desired that he's so hungry that he could just eat what they were eating. And he came to himself. How many people are in the house of God, never left God, but really they're the ones backslidden. And it's the one way out there so far gone from God that are waking up right now and saying, I gotta get back. I gotta get back. What am I doing? Some of us, if we're not careful, we can be sitting at the table with Jesus Christ, have all the blessings of God and bitter in our heart, not a praise on our lips. But this son came to himself and said, Luke 15 and 19, I'll just go back to my father and just be one of his hired servants. That's my plan. Oh, you don't even understand the Father's love for you. Right. He looked at it as we often do. This is the way we deal with life. Every move we make is a business transaction. Everything. It's not that way with God. So, well, I don't know. I bought somebody's meal last week. Maybe they'll buy mine this week. Here we go with this nonsense. Uh-huh. Give, take, give, take. Well, I gave a little bit too much. I, I'm, I'm kind of tired of giving. I'm drawing the line. And everything we do, measure business, proposals, transactions, well, if it's worth it to me, I'll do it. Uh-huh. And here's this young son who's still thinking in these terms. Just be a hired, just a temp worker. It's not even a regular servant. Not even a servant that lives on the property that takes care of things throughout the year and he's taking care of whether or not there's work to be done. Not even that kind of servant. I don't even need to live on the property, just off the property. I'll be standing around Home Depot if you want to come by and you got extra work. I'll be that kind of a servant. God is going to blow your expectation and blow your mind. Take the limits off of God. This is not a business transaction. God wants you to know, I love you more than that. Yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. Arm's length relationship, that's good for us. Arm's length, because that means I still have somewhat say in the matter. Still have some kind of control. I'll let you in, God, but not all the way in. You're silent. You come to my house, God. You can sit at my table. You can eat at my food. But I'm not letting you all the way in like this loser, sinner woman. Arms link relationship. That's not what God came for. And that's not what God wants. And as the father saw him afar off, the father ran and exposed himself. One story, one writer says that he exposed his legs and men don't do that in that day. That's shameful. And you certainly don't welcome a child back who took it all and squandered it. Right. On riotous living, you certainly don't do that. In fact, when they come home, you have a party letting him know that he's not welcome here. 
That's what you should do, Father. But the Father broke all the rules and expectations and exposed Himself in shame and ran. And Scripture said, fell on Him. God wants to fall on you today. As He did in Acts 10. As the Holy Ghost fell on them. God wants to fall on somebody today with His love. Overcoming. Overwhelming. Nothing you can do about it. You can't hold me at arm's length. I'm going to tackle you. I'm going to fall on you. How much I love you, don't you understand? And before he can even get the words out of his mouth, I'm not worthy of you, son. Stop all that mess. Robe him. Sandal him. Put the ring on him. Kill the cat for him. Celebrate. My son has come home. This is my son. This is my love. My God. You understand who's in this room? It's not about who you are, what you did, or what you didn't do. God is here to love you, to fall on you. If you lift up your hands and accept it and receive it and say, oh, love of God. Come on, somebody. It's not a contract that we're in. It's covenant. It's covenant relationship. I don't care how many times you fall. Get back up and understand the grace of God is what empowers you. The Holy Ghost will help you. You're going to be an overcomer. If you believe the word of God. Oh, Jesus. Are we serving God from a fearful distance? Are we the object of his delight? He wants us to discover our true identity and his love. Stop the rat race. You're not an employee. You are a child of God. Would you stand up to your feet? Does anybody feel the love of God in this room? Does anybody feel the peace that surpasses all understanding in this room? Are you tired of going through the motions? Then stop. I'm not asking you to run the aisles. I'm not asking you to spit and cry. What I'm asking you to do is lift up your hands and receive the love of God. And begin to praise and magnify Him. And in your praise and in, in your adoration, come on, in you magnifying God, when you begin to lose sight of yourself and you begin to focus on Him, that He is worthy, something's going to happen. Something's going to change. Simon, this woman, she didn't have a towel. She didn't have anything. She didn't even have water. But she wouldn't use it if she had it. Why? Because it's her tears that will do the job. Come on, it's her hair. She's giving it all. She's not thinking in terms of economics, Simon. Simon, this isn't a contract. She understands covenant. She understands I was once lost, but now in the presence of Jesus, everything can turn. Come on, everything can. My God, the Holy Ghost is here to let you know. I'm here. I've already purchased salvation. And you can receive the free gift of salvation today if you lose yourself in repentance. If you'll humble yourself, Simon, you can have it too. You can have it too. Come on, somebody, the peace of God is here. The love of God is here. Woo. Woo. Glory to God. The love of God is in this room. Oh, God. Oh, God. Come on, you ain't got to put on a show for your neighbor. Come on, just let him know how much you love and adore him. You begin to see what I'm talking about. When you lose yourself in praise. I'm not talking about some mamby-pamby charismatic thing. I'm not talking about that. No, there still is scripture. There still is a law. There still is the truth of God's word. What I'm telling you is you need to rest in the peace and the mercy and the love of God. And realize your sacrifice ain't going to cut it. But his sacrifice did. You should be hanging on the tree. But he took your place. You can have a life and that more abundantly when you receive the free gift of grace in your life. The gift of God in this room. Come on, I don't care if you call me a sinner. I don't care if you look on me like I'm a sinner. That's all right. That's between you and God. But as for me, oh, I got some, I got some washing to do. 
God, I give you my all. When I don't understand, I'm going to give it all to you, Jesus. Giving my best for your words. In the midst of misunderstanding and heartache and trial and trouble and pain and chaos. Oh, God, you're worthy of my praise. Oh, God, you're worthy of it all. Hallelujah. Thank you for the price you paid, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God, for saving a wretch like me. Thank you, God. I once was lost, but Lord, now you have found me. Oh, God, you're enveloping me in your, in your mercy, Lord. Oh, come on home, my child. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, come on, somebody. You need to go into the water today and take on the name of Jesus. You need to have your sins removed. You need to have your sins remiss. Come on. Come on. Don't leave this place the same way you walked in, Simon. Let there be a washing and a cleansing that takes place in the presence of the Lord. Come on. God wants to look at you and say your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Come on. Leave here changed. Leave here renewed. Leave here a new man in Christ. For your peace, God. Come on, as she begins to play and sing, can we worship Him? Can you find a posture of praise? Can you take off that cloak of pride? Can you put on that cloak of praise and magnify the Lord? Oh, 